It's Friday, May 17th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the latest headlines surrounding immigration. We'll connect the dots on how President Trump's latest proposal has people bringing up a law from the 1800s. Then, the world's largest elections are wrapping up in India this weekend. We'll give you the details. And finally, we remember America's grumpiest feline. Insert sad face emoji. We're here to make your Friday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Prudential. Prudential helps you plan financially for today and tomorrow. The most complicated story today is about immigration. Yesterday afternoon, President Trump announced his proposal to overhaul the U.S. immigration system. First, it stops illegal immigration and fully secures the border. And second, it establishes a new legal immigration system that protects American wages, promotes American values, and attracts the best and brightest from all around the world. What he means by best and brightest is that he wants to give higher skilled professionals like people with a college degree or who can speak English priority to get green cards. It's called merit-based immigration. That's a change from the current system. Right now, most people who get green cards get them because they have family already living in the U.S. Most people agree. U.S. immigration needs an overhaul, or as people in D.C. call it, comprehensive immigration reform. But Democratic lawmakers are reacting to Trump's proposal, saying, this ain't it. Here's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday. I want to just say something about the word that they use, merit. It is really a condescending word. Are they saying family is without merit? Are they saying most of the people who have ever come to the United States in the history of our country are without merit because they don't have an engineering degree? Republicans don't think this proposal will pass either. Senator Lindsey Graham told reporters this week that the White House's plan isn't designed to become law. It's designed to help unite the Republican Party. And this is just one of a bunch of recent moves the Trump administration has made on immigration to change who comes into the country and how. So today, we're going to break down the latest for you on that and tell you where things are headed. First off, status update on Trump's proposal to build a wall along the southern border with Mexico. Remember, in February, President Trump declared a national emergency after Democrats refused to give him billions of dollars to pay for a border wall. He said it allowed him to use money from other places in the government, like the Treasury Department and the Defense Department, to pay for building that wall. Today, that national emergency is facing its first court test in California. One judge is hearing two lawsuits about it. One of them was filed by the attorneys general of 20 states, including some like California that sit on the southern border, who say the wall will harm their states. Others say if Pentagon budgets are redirected to the wall, their military bases will lose out on funding. And there are more court hearings to come. The House of Representatives filed its own lawsuit, which a judge in Washington, D.C. will hear next week. But the border wall is just one way the Trump administration is trying to tackle illegal immigration. Here's White House spokesperson Hogan Gidley this morning on Fox and Friends. Is the uh, administration considering the insurrection? Act? Look, the president has been very clear. He's going to do everything within his. Is that his a yes or a no? He is going to do everything within his legal authority <laughs> to protect the American people. That's a yes. Yes. The insurrection act they were talking about is a law from the 1800s that hasn't been used in a long time. 
It would allow President Trump to actually deploy the military to remove undocumented immigrants. That's not the job of the Defense Department. Right now, that's a thing ICE does, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And the administration is doing something else that hasn't been done in a while. It has to do with undocumented immigrants and their employers. Lots of industries in the country rely on undocumented workers. Think agriculture, hospitality, or construction. Because you need a social security number to get paid, undocumented workers will give their bosses a fake number, even though that means they're paying for a social security benefit they'll never receive. Back in the early 2000s, the George W. Bush administration used to write letters to companies when they spotted social security numbers that didn't match. And they would threaten to arrest workers or charge companies with penalties if they couldn't fix the error. But the Bush administration lost a challenge to this policy in court and had to stop writing the letters. In March, the Trump administration picked up the pen again. Since then, it sent letters to 570,000 employers across the country, telling them about unmatched social security numbers. They're not threatening anything specific, but farmers in particular are worried a lot that their workers might take off to avoid getting arrested. So what's the skim? Trump's new proposal isn't just about immigrants with or without documents. It's also about refugees. The administration has been making asylum seekers at the border wait in Mexico for their asylum hearings. A court of appeal says the administration can keep doing that, at least for now. The new proposal calls for cutting down on what Trump is calling frivolous asylum claims. One thing Trump didn't mention in his new proposal is what to do about DACA recipients, the children of undocumented immigrants who've grown up in the U.S. They've been put on the back burner. Like we said, Democratic lawmakers say the plan is dead on arrival in Congress, and many Republicans say it's a starting point. But some immigration hardliners, including within the Trump administration, say they want even more. They say the proposal doesn't reduce the total number of immigrants coming into the country. And that's what they're actually going for. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, the largest Democratic election is going down in India. We'll explain why it's such a big deal. That's next. Every day we make a million plans. A plan for dinner, a plan for the gym, a plan for hacking rush hour traffic. But sometimes small plans get in the way of big ones, like financial goals. That's where Prudential comes in. Use their financial wellness assessment tool to get key insights into your financial health. Because in order to plan for what's coming tomorrow— like kissing your college debt goodbye or early retirement. You need to know where you stand today. Check where you stand and what you need to do next to reach your financial goals at prudential.com slash the skim today. This weekend, we're finally going to see the end of a long battle for power. Yeah, it's the finale of Game of Thrones, but it's also the end of voting in the Indian elections. This is actually bigger than Thrones. India has the biggest election in the world. 900 million voters cast their ballots at 1 million polling stations over the last month and a half. India's voters make up more than 10% of the world's population. So today, we have three things you need to know about the election, starting with who's running. You might recognize the name Narendra Modi. He's been the prime minister since 2014, and he's running for re-election as a leader of the Bharatiya Janata Party, BJP for short. They're known for promoting Hindu nationalism and the caste system. This election is being seen as a referendum on Modi's first term. 
His top opponent is Rahul Gandhi, the leader of the Indian National Congress Party. No relation to the Gandhi you probably heard about, Mahatma Gandhi. But Rahul's dad, Rajiv Gandhi, was prime minister in the 80s. And his grandma, Indira Gandhi, was the only female prime minister of India. Kind of a political dynasty. But it's not like in the US, it's a parliamentary system. So Modi and Gandhi are competing for 543 elected seats, along with more than 8,000 other candidates from about 2,000 parties. Whichever party or coalition wins a majority in parliament gets to nominate the prime minister. So what are the big issues? The economy is a big one. In the past few years, economic growth has hovered at about 7% every year. But unemployment is the highest it's been in nearly 50 years. And tens of millions of Indians are living in poverty. On top of that, India is armed with nukes. So national security is always a concern, too. And there's been an ongoing dispute with Pakistan for control in the region of Kashmir. Earlier this year, things ramped up after a Pakistan-based militant group staged the deadliest attack in decades against an Indian-controlled part of Kashmir. And that brings us to another issue that's become really divisive, religion. The Indian constitution guarantees freedom of religion, just like in the U.S., and the people there practice a lot of different ones. About 80% of the country is Hindu. But India also has the second largest Muslim population in the world, and it's growing. And there's a history of beef between the two. It's a big reason Pakistan and India have been at odds for so long. So there's been a resurgence in anti-Muslim rhetoric during this election and violence. The BJP and Prime Minister Modi are promoting Hindu nationalism. That's like India's version of white nationalism. They're even supporting a candidate who's been accused of being an anti-Muslim terrorist. She's calling for a full-on religious war with Muslims. So this election is also kind of a referendum on religious freedom in one of the world's most populated countries. Voting officially ends on Sunday, and the results will be announced next Thursday. We're back with our series, Skim Wallet, and today we're talking about college debt. One in four American adults are paying off student loans right now. They owe about $1.5 trillion altogether. Luckily, more and more companies have started offering to help their employees pay off that debt as a benefit. And now there's a new way, and it has to do with vacation. Here's how it works. Companies already have a budget line item for paid time off. And in some states, companies have to pay employees for the time they don't take. So this company called PTO Exchange has a program that puts that money towards student loan payments. Of course, a lot of people don't get any paid vacation. But among the full-time employees that do, a Glassdoor survey found that they only take off about half of the 14 days they get on average, meaning they're giving a lot of money back to the company. So this might be one way to cash in on those benefits. For more on what the headlines can mean for your wallet, head over to theskim.com money. And before we go today, we want to remember a star who died this week, just seven years old, Grumpy Cat. It's hard to believe it's been six years since Grumpy Cat went viral, showing up in our memes with her special look. Grumpy Cat wasn't trying to impress anyone. She wasn't about winning likes or friends. She frowned all the time, scowled even. But people fell in love. 
her face was how they felt. Grumpy Cat got millions of views online, won the Webby Award for Meme of the Year in 2013, even appeared in TV commercials and a Christmas movie. People waited for hours at South by Southwest to get a selfie with her. Today, we're finding out more. Grumpy Cat's actual name was Tartar Sauce, with a D. Her owners say she had feline dwarfism, and that she wasn't grumpy at all, but really, really cuddly. Hard on the outside, soft on the inside. We feel you, Grumpy Cat. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening this week and don't forget to hit subscribe. We'd love for you to share the show with your friends and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of news happens over the weekend. So if you want to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. 